13 is a brand founded for the creators, the innovators, and the motivators. For the people who get up every single day and strive to be better and leave a positive mark on this world. 13 is a fantastic clothing company and the people that are behind it are passionate, creative, and some of the nicest people I have ever met. All of their stuff looks great, it's comfy, all the designs are so, so super cool. 13 has some of my favorite t-shirts and seriously, my favorite pair of sweatpants I have ever worn. 13 has been a longtime sponsor and supporter of the Corey cast and they wanted to extend their love to you, the listener. So when you check out their website at thur 13 en.com fill your cart with some cool hats hoodies sweatpants just make sure you use the code word corycast at checkout and you're going to save yourself a little bit of money thur13en.com make sure you tell them cory sent you today's guest is brewmaster garrett meekin the owner of grow brewing company he just started this company over the past year and has taken a really unique marketing strategy towards his beer he has learned a lot of his trade from the current place that he's at right now and he's juggling both positions very very cool that his current job allows him to also grow a company that he's really invested in a company that he started from the ground up. Garrett's been a brewmaster for quite some time and is putting together wonderful, delicious beers. And you need to check them out. They're called Grow Brewing Company. If you want to see if they hit up your neck of the woods, you can check out their website at growbrewingco.com. I'll put the link in the show description so you could check them out and show them some love. I will tell you what I think Garrett's unique marketing strategy where he works with various local artists and finds a flavor that's inspired by the artwork they produce is is really cool and really interesting. And one of the reasons I have always enjoyed uh, Garrett's company, he's a, a kind of person who thinks outside the box and is extremely creative and uh, very talented. I hope you enjoy this episode and I hope you learn a little bit on how to make beer and how cool it is and how much goes involved in it. I know I learned so much from talking with Garrett. Okay, so Garrett Meekin, we were friends in college, and then after college, we kind of lost contact with each other, but yeah. here you are, through the powers of Facebook, still able to at least stay connected in some shape or form, you yeah, know? Of course, yeah. Uh, I am so impressed that you're running your own like brewing company now. <laughs> yeah, well, it's been a trip, that's for sure. Um, it's it's a brewing company inside of a brewing company. So I also uh, full-time brew for Three Brothers Winery, um, but I own Grow Brewing Co. as a separate brand that is uh, more nomadic. So it's 100% distribution. It's a family business. So my wife runs it with me. My father does all the distribution. Um, we don't have a tasting room. So we only do pop-up events. I can do these one-day permits at places that don't have alcohol and kind of do like these pop-up tasting room kind of things. 
that have been pretty interesting. Um, and then we've just been building the brand over the past year. You know, we launched like March 21st. So I'm doing uh, three brothers stuff for 40 hours, grow stuff for 40 hours. And then we got a one year old at home. So it's good times. Yeah. Right. And, and yeah, now you're a dad too. Like this, it's so yeah. crazy. It's, it's, I really, you know, some people really hate on social media, but I love the fact that I get, it lets me, it affords me the opportunity to stay in touch with someone like people I genuinely like, like I yeah. genuinely like you Garrett, but we just like shit happens and life happens and we just lost yeah. touch with each other you know yeah i mean i i bailed on college you know so it's kind of hard to stay connected with that point because that's really where we we met and everything you know so. yeah i mean i geez dude, you don't need it though look at look at you now like thriving making well, your own you know, beer yeah, and stuff. You go. I appreciate how that. how did you like get into this career so i started um as a hobbyist you know, a lot of people in brewing will tell you the same thing. They were a home brewer first. Um, I got in basically scrubbing kegs to another brewery about nine years ago now, a little, little over nine years. Um, scrubbing mold from the bottom of tanks, you know, low, low ranks. So I left college, went into a manufacturing job, did not like that, but learned a lot about manufacturing and production, which was extremely helpful for uh, this career. And then met my wife, then girlfriend, now wife at another brewery and really started to get involved with that kind of culture. Um, just being able to like get into a tasting room and talk to people and all bond over one thing, you know, we call it social lubrication and it's, you talk to so many different people about so many different ideas and stuff. And the one common denominator that you have those conversations with is you're doing it over a beer, which I always thought was really cool. Yeah. So um, yeah, I wanted to be able to make that kind of stuff. Um, at first it started, it was just like, make it as cheap as you can because it seems so expensive compared to drinking Keystone Light at Onondaga Community <laughs> College. <laughs> so um, I thought I could do it better. I kind of did it better. You know, I drink my mistakes, drank my mistakes. So I got pretty good quick at it, you know, yeah. didn't make it again, which is cool. And then here we are. Now, what is the difference between a craft, like a craft beer versus like like a Bud Light that's like, is it just the, the sheer amount of how like mass produced it is? Yeah, it is like the scale that it's produced at. So I think after a million barrels a year, so a barrel is like 31 gallons, right? So after a million a year, a hundred thousand, it's some outlandish number, then you're no longer considered craft. You're like a macro brewery, um, which uh, are like the big four guys. It's SAB, Miller Coors, um, Anheuser-Busch, which I think they have a merger still going on. That's kind of, a wishy-washy thing. And then, you know, the guys that own Corona, um, those big brands, everyone else is really considered craft. So even Yingling is like the oldest craft brewery, but it's still huge, you know, yeah. as far as it goes. So that's a, it's, it's a massive place. It's huge. Yeah. yeah. So it starts, there's a bunch of different kind of subcultures of it. There's like nano, uh, breweries, there's brew pubs and it's all kind of divisions, but they're below that. It's all considered craft with that one. Really wow. So it's like, 50 barrels, 250, 1,000, 10,000. They have these different kind of, I don't know, categories. Benchmarks or whatever, yeah. like points yeah. are hitting. What, yeah. So this has all just been from you getting into the industry and like kind of teaching yourself how to make beer? Yeah, 100%. Wow. Um, this is like late nights, uh, you know, learning about water chemistry, the stuff that people don't want to read about. For whatever reason, my like lizard brain was super interested in. So I was like, yeah, I'm diving all in in this. And um, it's it's really helped. I've won a couple of gold medals 
through the state, um, a couple nationally. Um, We've really like kind of done everything we can to make sure that this career for me is like prominent, you know? Um, And we, I don't think we ever saw like the success of grow coming from what we were doing at uh, good nature or even through Warhorse. Um, but it's, it's really been, you know, incredible. And what, what do you think attributes to the, the success of, of grow? Has it been just like a different approach to how you market and stuff? Oh, the entire thing. Yeah. So we, my entire thing was, I'd never had a brand of my own. Mm-hmm. So like, when I make a label or whatever, cause I do a lot of the art or at least help with a lot of the art. It's all very tattoo based. It's all very authentic. Where like when you meet us at this, these pop-up events or see our social media or whatever, uh, it's, it's us, you know, it's a representation of us. And I think that like, uh, legitimacy really has helped propel it forward. Right. Yeah. And, uh, it's just a, a sense of like genuineness yeah, with your sure. beer. I, I haven't I haven't had it yet because you guys do like you guys do random pop ups. Do you guys ever come out to Syracuse? So we distribute. Um, if you go to our website, I'm going to do a, a shameless plug: www.growbrewingco.com. There's actually a find our beer section, and it lists by region, like every place that carries us. And then on the front page, there you go. Find, find our, our products. products. Yep. I had the website so ready. Have, there you go. So we'll have our uh, pop-up events first first and foremost. So we're going to be at that horticulture building on November 11th through 13th, selling some cans and doing pop-ups. And then below that is also every place by region. So we do, it's it's almost 140 stores that we're up to now. Wow. It's kind of tough to read. We got to do a, 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 desi- or a redesign at this point, but um, it's a good like source. So if you're in Syracuse, you can see the places yeah wow that's it's, cool it's all the big hitters you know like kitty hoynes um a pizza reginal um all the all the places that you're gonna drink craft beer and like craft cocktails at we're we're pretty much there so Whoa. and how did you like make these connections with these places is it just by going in and being like hey try some of our beer partly yeah i mean I, I definitely called in some favors too like after being in the industry for a couple of years and the funny thing about it is the uh the hardcore scene you you'd be you know, shocked at how many people went into food service and all these kind of things. So it's all people we've been friends with for a really long time. So right. for them, they it's been nine years of, oh yeah, as soon as you have your own thing, we'll put you on draft. And finally it came around. It's like, all right, guys, you put me on draft. <laughs> Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? I love that it's still yeah, like dude, yeah. it's wild. It's wild. Yeah. The the connections that you made back when you were throwing windmills at a yeah. Runer show, you know what I mean? Is now still do, baby. Yeah, still do, baby. <laughs> I'm to, to Buffalo next month for four years yeah. strong. Let's go. Yeah, dude. Oh my God. Don't even get me started. I was just listening to four years strong, just released a uh, re recorded the uh, Enemy of the World CD. Oh, yeah. so good, dude. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Oh. But that's another part of the brand, too. Like it's, it is also interconnected with, with Grow, and we wanted it to be like that. So it yeah. was all just like, I don't know, it's, it's, it was easy to plug everything in because we already had this network of people and places that we were going to pop up at and, you know, this idea. And then the grow word, like plants and everything, it all stemmed from COVID coming out of that the right. entire brand idea. Because if you pop up and you don't have a tasting room, you can't get locked down, right? Like right. that was 
that was really the big idea. And wow. my wife was pregnant, the whole thing, just like it all ended up coming together. That's a cool approach, though. Like that was just like, hey, well, listen, we don't we this way we do it this way. We don't get shut down and it lets us have opportunities where we could literally you guys could just travel and do go to different spots. And exactly. Wherever there isn't hot spots. Yeah, because my my wife was working in the brewery and she was laid off in the tasting room because it was just there was no one that could come around. Even with the curbside stuff at the time, it, it was not effective. You know, it yeah. was a tough time for the restaurant industry. It still hasn't gotten back. Yeah. Um, where, definitely where, different yeah for sure um and so when you are creating all these craft beers because you guys have like a pretty cool selection how yeah. how do you figure out what beer you want to make next or like what flavors that that you produce so it's actually kind of cool i i use a lot of rotating artists um so it all starts off the art everything hinges uh -huh. off the art. a lot I'm of them are like, still yeah because these definitely. cans are fucking awesome Thank you. Thank you. We work hard at them. Um, so a lot of them are actually from like tattooer friends. You know, uh, what I do is I'll send them kind of like an idea. And uh, whatever they send me back, they send me like a line drawing, just like they would if you were drawing a tattoo for someone. Yeah. And then myself and my other graphic artist, who's also named Garrett, go through, colorize it, texturize it, like bring it to life. And whatever their idea is, for that kind of beer with whatever they send back is kind of what I'll, I'll mess around with the recipe to kind of emulate that. So if Whoa. it's like, yeah, it's pretty cool. So you can change like all the, the hop qualities. You can make something like a little bit spicier or a little bit like darker, have, have a different kind of uh, tenor to the beer, you know, which then whatever you'd be doing. But I try, I do try and base it off of the art first. So which that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. That's, it's a, that's a, like a very unique, approach to it because i feel like correct me if i'm wrong but like usually it's we make the flavor and then we design the the label around that right yeah. it's kind of flip-flopped 100 percent. but it's so marketing based though in the beer industry like if you go to wegmans any wegmans which we are not in wegmans um so don't look for grow at wegmans but go there <laughs> and look at the amount of skews and different breweries and stuff on the shelves there's like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of beers out there. So right. you really need to set yourself apart through your marketing and through, you know, what you're putting on your labels and really being distinct and deliberate with what you're trying to portray. So with my thought, it was like, well, I know so many artistic people, so many tattooers, like I want that to be part of the entire brand. Let's let them kind of take the forefront and then we'll build it after. And wow. it's been, it's worked. It's been really cool. That's really cool. It also allows you to like support some of your friends and yeah, a yeah, completely put, different like artistic scene. Yeah. We put the uh, Instagram handles on all the cans of whatever artists they, they we had. Um, we tag them in all our, our Instagram posts and we try and push as much like collaborative, you know, growth. The whole grow idea was really based on like growing small business and, and our friends' businesses and being able to do what we can um, to like help out systematically in that regard. So yeah, yeah it's, it, it's really cool. You guys do have like a, um, <clears throat> like a, uh, I, when I say brand, sometimes it's, uh, it's a very like wide casting net, but you guys have like a personality with, yeah. with your stuff. You know what I mean? Is, yeah. is it because like you and your wife like had a calculated approach or was it more just like, it kind of like steamrolled into like one beer after another. And then we're like, Oh, kind of. This looks great. 
we knew we knew like vague ideas you know so yeah. like when we started thriving that one that you pulled up first was like the first beer we were going to do and i thought it would be really cool if it was like a pot that had plants on the top and that's just like the first thing you know and then it all started becoming like different kind of pots and stuff just like on a shelf it would be like plants lined up um and then we started taking the tattoo art and stuff and really involving that and it just totally morphed off of that and it's yeah it does have a personality of its own and it's all very very like handmade everything you do or everything we do is all handmade so even like our tap handles when you go into a place like my dad is cutting down wood we're sanding it we're branding oh it we're we're putting a little like flower pot and a fake uh plant in the top and then epoxy coating it all so that it like is you know it's drip proof essentially <laughs> That's yeah so, i love that it's like a family business too like your oh, dad's yeah. involved it's honestly it i we joke sometimes but it feels like foretold in this weird yeah. way because like, i was very production based very um you know i i want to be even when at college when i was doing the the video and the stuff i wanted to be behind the camera i didn't want to be in front of the camera my wife has always been very retail oriented she's very outgoing has that personality my dad has been in sales for 30 years and he's been miserable at selling manufacturing stuffs but loves craft beer and then my mom has done accounting for 30 years. So like every part of the business all just was like, uh, you know, we could wow. probably make this work. Yeah. Wow. And that just goes back to, it's like, it's almost like you have uh, the right people in each position with like their different personalities that, that affect it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, I, I'm not going to kid you. It's very difficult to work with your family. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I bet. I bet. Listen, I, I love my dad very much, but, working with him would be a totally different dynamic, you know, oh, Say, yeah. working with my mom would be a totally different dynamic to our relationship. You know? Yeah. yeah. It, it totally do you guys is. have like family meetings on who's doing what? <laughs> we do. Oh yeah. yeah. We have, yeah. we have company meetings. We also employ uh, a, a few people, um, another salesperson as well as a uh, designer now. Um, so it's, it's oh. getting to be like more spread out than just the family thing, which is, is yeah. good. But is that scary? Uh, is that scary oh, for you? Absolutely terrifying. Yeah. yeah the, the geopolitical nature and like the economy, all that stuff. I don't worry. We actually were having this conversation uh, two nights ago. I really don't worry about our business. I think we're all very um, well-versed in our abilities and capabilities, you know, mm -hmm. but we don't know what's going to happen in the next six months. And we don't know, like, those are the things that are terrifying, but they, it's terrifying to everyone who's a small business owner, you know? Yeah. So like yep. you can't really dwell on it, I guess, is really what we came down to. Right, right. You guys just have to keep uh figuring out how you can like grow constantly. And it seems like it's kind of just snowballing, like it's just yeah. kind of growing more and more, you know? Yeah, like, it, it really is. We're um uh, we're actively looking for a tasting room now um in Syracuse. Nice. So we do plan on having some kind of a tasting room. Um it's just the amount of competition out in distribution has definitely been hard. I mean, we've luckily made a mark and had enough of a personality to, with our brand to like push us ahead of other people. But at the same time, like when you have a brand and you can invite people to your own space and sell them on you and your beers there, it's considerably easier. We feel like it would be much easier um, to be able to do that. That being said, we really still want to do the pop-up events and stuff because the idea of the business was to help support other small businesses that can't do that kind of stuff. Right. So right. We're going to find a balance. 
I'm sure. When you're trying to find a place, like, what are you looking for in the taste room? Are you just looking for, like, ideal location, or are you looking for a certain, like, square footage? Yeah, it's it's a little bit of all of that. Um, yeah. We have, we don't want to take away from our, our heavy um, distribution spots either. So, like, right. we're we're really big with the guys over at Now and Later. Uh, they, they are really good to us over there, and we try to, like, service them as best we can so for us to put a place over in camillus just wouldn't make sense you know yeah because it's, it's too close to home and we we don't want to do that to people um we want to keep that strength of ours going but at the same time we're you know you're limited in upstate new york there's there's population constraints there's all those kind of things and you could say that you're if you build it they will come all that kind of thing but at the end of the day it helps if you're on 90. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. A thousand percent. It seems like the growth of uh, just the, uh, like the footprint of craft beer makers has, has grown like exponentially over the past few years. Yep. It seems like it's a more growing uh, business. Yeah. So I think over 9,000 in the nation now, Oh wow. um, uh, small breweries. And in New York State alone, there's over 500. I'm pretty sure our license, when it was approved last, uh, it was New Year's Eve when we got our SLA license, uh, was the 500th license. So Whoa. Holy 500 cow. in the state. Yeah, there's a lot. That's was, crazy. That's a lot of people. Now, most of them are like brew pubs, right? So they're doing a couple of batches and they have like a restaurant or something. Yeah. And it's like 50 barrels a year. It's not a lot. Um but there still are a ton more popping up and especially production breweries. If you did a tasting room, would you also do a restaurant or is that not what you're looking to get into? If we did it, we've talked about this a little bit and I have a bunch of friends that are in the industry that are, we're talking to all the time. I think it would be probably like a ghost kitchen where we set mm. up some kind of an empty kitchen and allow them to do food ordering and stuff and contract the space for them because it's just not something that we're, you, you need food, obviously. Right. Um, but you could do it with food trucks. You can do it with other things. And it's, that's not my wheelhouse, you know, yeah. unless I meet someone who's like, I want to be your chef at your place. Then I have no interest in trying to run a kitchen. I just, it just doesn't meet with the stuff we're trying to do. I would rather give people a platform like we're trying to do with some of these other things to cook and do what they want to do in their own space so that they can build their own brand instead of trying to, you know, do our thing. Right, right. Wow, that's that's cool. It's just it's such a really unique and interesting approach to to the whole thing because it seems like I, I'm not really a craft beer dude to be honest. I don't really drink too much craft beer, but when I do, it seems like I'm in a restaurant that is also a brewery place. You know what I mean? Like they already make the beer in the restaurant itself, not like a a tasting room. I've been to Buried Acorn that that has a that's more of like a tasting room, I would say, right? Yeah, yeah, that's definitely more of that setting, I would say. Um, I think of like entertainment, you know, spots really like they do a great job over at Barry Acorn and that stuff. They bring in like comedy shows, local comedy acts, they bring in local bands, they have all kinds of stuff. And then they're, you know, the, the sustenance to all that. So I say it all the time, like social lubricant. That's really what it is, you know, right like with craft beer. Yeah, just getting, and it also seems to be like it's a good like word of mouth business because oh, it yeah. seems like once you have a good beer, you tell your other buddy who likes craft beer. You need to have 
their grow thrive because of that thing is amazing. And then it just kind of like starts to steamroll. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there's tons of like weird apps. Like it's almost like Yelp. There's untapped. Um, mm. And it's it's a feedback source, which is I think you were on it actually scrolling through the pages where people will check in and they get badges. There's all kinds of stupid stuff. But really, it's like a great feedback for brewers to sh- kind of say like this worked well or this didn't work well or people perceived it well or whatever. Um, and that's really like without having a tasting room, that is the only feedback we get unless we get emails, which we occasionally do. But, yeah. If you could... Uh like wave a magic wand and get like any piece of equipment or anything that like anything you'd want that would help you with your, your beer. What, what would you do? What would you yeah. want? I'm happy with my production right now. I'm going to be honest. Yeah? The tasting room is really, is really key. Now there's, there's like some licensing things that we need to change. So if I could wave a wand, I would probably uh, have New York change some of their licensing structure, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. No, so, dude, it's, it's a nightmare. Did you have to like mail it in and like not even be able oh, yeah. to check the status online? And uh, well, luckily you could check the status, but it, it hung in limbo for, I mean, our, we actually got ours relatively quickly in about eight months from last mm. year, but you know, you're sitting there and we have all this money invested in it at the time to get, get everything started. And it's like, right. So when are we going to, yeah. Know, right. Right. What was it like when, uh, the, those first, cans rolled off and they were done and they were ready to be shipped out like how did you feel oh it was incredible honestly because you know we've had obviously i've made my own beers and stuff in the past but it's it's different when it's like a representation of you and it was also a little terrifying uh because i took a lot of risks with the beers that i'm making um in terms of like from a production standpoint or creatively that a lot of other brewers were like, don't do that. <laughs> they like, pretty much like what? what would be an example? Cause I'm pretty uh, terrible. Like water chemistry things or uh, a hop utilization thing. So like using way more hops than I probably should in uh, mm-hmm. a setting to, you know, right. get a certain kind of flavor. And um, it's, it, it, it was something right at the beginning that a lot of brewers were kind of like dismissive of honestly. And now after a couple of months and, almost actually three quarters of a year at this point um getting those things out there and moving consistently through these batches i think people are looking a little more like oh, what are you doing over there you know yeah Which right right really cool. but at the beginning it was it was very nerve-wracking it was terrifying i bet i bet i especially when it's all of this like time and energy invested into launching a new business it's like it's kind of nail-biting because you're like oh i hope this goes well this is yeah a lot of time and effort. I really want this to do well. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. It's, uh, it's one of the things that, you know, you, you just have to go with though. If you're, I, we were confident in our ability in our, each one of our abilities to do our own part of the job to where it would be moderately successful. But we, mm-hmm. I don't think we thought we were going to be like one of the up and coming brands this year. Right. You know? Wow. With winning, uh, you said medals, right? Yeah, so the first brewery I was at, um, my first IPA, I got the gold medal for uh, American IPA. Um, That was at Good Nature back in 2013, I want to say maybe 2014. And then I worked there for two or three years. Uh, I actually, in 2017, tried to start a brewery in Syracuse. So that was nice to have an LLC framework kind of in place 
but uh, because of some engineering problems we had with the space that we were trying to get into at the time, it kind of all fell through. And it was like a year in planning between Good Nature and Three Brothers, um, where I was just like, I, I got to get back into brewing. Then yeah. came came into Warhorse, um, started making Lieutenant Dan IPA and all these Lieutenant other Dan. things that do. Yeah, Lieutenant Dan. Uh, <laughs> One gold medal again for the hazy IPA um, in 2019. So, yeah. That's and so then, which is like, that's a big category too. So people luckily took notice of that kind of thing. How many people were you going against? I think there was, I want to say it was like 130 other breweries in that category or 130 other entries. It was a lot. <laughs> Yeah, it's a lot, and that's like the one. The hazy IPAs are the is, are the beers that really represent craft. I want to say seventy percent of craft beer is like IPA. Yeah. So if you're making good IPA, then people will kind of notice. I'm know? I'm just picturing being the judge, and like no matter how much you love beer, but having to like sip a hundred and thirty beers and trying yeah. to distinguish the fine notes between the two or they the have... hundred and thirty has to be so fucking hard. Yeah. Well, luckily, New York State Brewers Association, uh, another plug here, they are awesome. Like they will go to bat and they have a staff of people that organize everything so well. So like they had tons and tons of judges for that and really broke it down pretty nicely. And they also gave you like scorecards and stuff for all your beers. So they gave some really good feedback in years prior of like this has this, this is this for you to kind of improve upon your stuff, which is, is cool. Dude, I didn't even know that it, that association existed. I'm already oh, yeah. I'm learning so much stuff about craft beer. I'm just such a I'm such a novice when it comes to all of this. You could you could tell me that craft beer is made with you stomping on wheat with your bare feet, and I'd be like, yeah, that's how wine's made. So yeah, that's that's probably right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no the oats, man. <laughs> how? Okay, so you don't have to give me like the full scientific process, but how does it start from? uh like the very beginning to to can beer how what does that process look like yeah so there's four main ingredients uh to beer and it's hops uh we say malt which is it could be barley wheat oats there's a bunch of different kinds of cereal grains hops and then yeast um so essentially you make kind of like oatmeal at the beginning of the process and then you separate the water uh off of that what we call mash and it makes kind of like a sugar water um, put it over to a hot vessel to sterilize it and add hops for bitterness. And then you do what's called the knockout process. Um, basically that's just cooling down that, um, like hoppy sugar water and sending it over to a fermentation vessel where you add that yeast. And that's where the magic happens. It consumes all that sugar, kicks off carbon dioxide, heat, some different flavors, builds alcohol, and then whatever the alcohol spec and the flavors you're trying to do for the beer, you adjust your hops, your cereal grain, uh, grist ratio, all that kind of stuff goes through for like three to six weeks, depending on the kind of beer, um, will condition and then gets transferred off of all that yeast and all that hops and other stuff that's in that tank. All the tanks, if you go to a brewery are like shaped like that to drop off all the nasty right. stuff. Mm. And then you, they condition again, cold condition, you uh, inject carbon dioxide or build it um, naturally if you're doing like lagers and stuff and it's ready for package. So it's, it generally is like a three to six week process uh, depending on the beer for each beer. 
That was going to be my next question was how long of a process that was. So three to six weeks. Yep. Uh, generally now it some, it depends on the alcohol spec and stuff like that. So like lower alcohol stuff, obviously like it doesn't have as long a fermentation cycle. Right. So it's just goes through a little bit quicker than stuff like that. But yeah, uh, there's tons of different things you can do. Um, they have all these different degrees of malt. So like the darker malt, the more coffee character, chocolate, all that kind of stuff you're going to be trying to build off of it. And then there's like you say hops, but there's probably hundreds and hundreds of different varietals of hops, just like flowers, mm -hmm. just like um, THC, you know, marijuana, cannabis plants, all these kind of things. They're like close cousins. So they have different oil compositions that actually will put out different flavors. So wow. it's all, it's all oh yeah, it's, um, it's all very, very, um, it's just like cooking. It's spices, you know? Right. And I'm, when you, yeah. uh, I, when somebody says hops, I just imagine it's like a, like a flower. It's like dandelion. Like it's not, there's not a big variation in, in the hops, but Huge. holy cow. I didn't, I didn't realize that. It's like the whole, throughout the whole process though, it's like all these little fine adjustments you can make really like completely can change how a beer turns out. Right. Oh yeah. You have no idea. I mean, every little thing, there's all these different species of yeast that produce different flavors and, you know, all these different grains that you can use and all that, everything you, you can build with, with four ingredients, like an entire array. I, it's so different than like winemaking. You brought up winemaking a little bit earlier. We're actually on the winery, but the process for winery is the, the grape varietal and the yeast with beer. You can do the same four ingredients and just change like your water chemistry and make completely different beers. So there is that much small fine tuning um, going on. Wow. That's crazy. Cool. Yeah. That is so cool. I, that is uh, it's what you're doing is like, you're just, it's, it's chemistry. <laughs> I know like, it's like cooking too. Like people, yeah. you don't have to have a, you know, a master's in, in water chemistry or whatever to, to be able to brew beer. It's, it's a very, like, I can do this at home on a, on a stove. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's, so that's, and that's, that's basically how you had got started. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I was doing like literally a one liter batch, um, in bottles, bottle conditioning stuff. I had a little like air gun thing that was, it was all terrible. It was really bad, but well, it's, it was it's, interesting. Uh, you know, right. Right. I, they always say you're like the first, whatever you put out the first of is usually pretty dog shit, right? Yeah, your first, yeah. First oh. batch of beer, your first uh, painting that you ever do, your first uh, yeah. podcast you ever do, it always turns out pretty shitty, <laughs> but you get better at it every time, right? Because that's right. You're, I know you're the type of person who is like, every time you do something, you're like, how can I refine it and get, get like a little better? Because that's how you were in college with, with those video production classes. I remember sitting in the room with you, you know, that, that board that had so many knobs and sh yeah. like all this like twisty things on it. And I was like, dude, this looks really good. And you're like, no, 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 no. We can, we can do a little bit better. And you're like typing away, like you're freaking like Elton John <laughs> on the piano, like turning stuff. <laughs> oh, it takes me back. You know, <laughs> my wife does all our Instagram now too. And she does the reels, which is like such a necessary evil. But right. I look at them, I look at them and I'm like, you gotta do it this way. <laughs> Just because right. my OTC days, I'm like, no, that's a jump cut. You can't do that. You can't do that. Are you crazy? You can't do that. Yeah. And she's just like, just leave it alone. God. I'm that's like, all right. 
that <laughs> is, an, it is a necessary evil. Do you yeah. feel like the Instagram has really contributed to like your growth? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it is free. I don't want to say free advertising because we put a lot of energy into it. Um, but it right. is like sweat equity advertising, you know, um, there's not a lot of other outlets really for craft beer advertising. Um, right. Because of the clientele, like most people are, are the age of Instagram users um, right. and they, that are into craft beer. So it's the number one thing for us. Um, we're still looking for creative ways to, to do it. And I'm not a social media person per se. I mean, I'm on them kind of because we have to be, but um, I, I don't think we would have been able to get it out there nearly as much had we not put energy into the Instagram. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely uh, unnecessary evil is a good way to put it because that's I contribute a lot of my business to social media, just like old friends that we've met at college or going to a show with you and we bumped into somebody and we've we're Facebook friends forever. And then they're like, hey, can you help me sell a house? Like, OK, yeah, sure. Yeah. So it's like it's it does suck the life out of you, but the potential to expand beyond uh kind of like your little network is crazy crazy yeah. potential with the reels on instagram yeah and it's amazing the um like the all the information that they'll give you with a business account too of your reach and your you know engagement and all that kind of stuff so right. it, it it's really is a good tool um especially to not pay a ton with, with doing it. So, yeah, right. You don't have to, you don't really have to spend much money on these things. I mean, it's just your, just your time really. Right. Yeah. And maybe, maybe if you want to boost the post and do an ad, like you could drop some right. money on it and right. extend the reach a little bit, but you could have something pop off and go viral and have a bunch of views and your growth just kind of organically happens. We went viral in Iran one day for real. We posted it like, <laughs> yeah, dude, it was the craziest thing in the world. Oh it my was, God. In like a two minute period, we had like 330 engagements, like all these comments. And it was just like, what is happening right now? Some way that the freaking algorithm bit on the stuff is just was wild. Um, we didn't retain any of those people. I don't think for sales, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't <laughs> the think the funny thing is the harder you work on a reel, and this is just, you know, personal evidence, but the harder you work on it, the less people are going to give a shit about it because <laughs> everyone that we've like really spent time with and like, Oh yeah, I'm going to edit this through and like figure out the yeah. perfect soundtrack choice or whatever audio they've been dog shit. Yeah. And, and it's just like, man, we waste. And then we'll like just take a video of like a beer across and yep. it'll be like 3000 likes or whatever. It makes like, no sense. It yeah. makes no sense. Wow, I think so they funny. do that shit on purpose. I think Instagram knows how to spend on it. Yeah, yeah. They're like in on the microphones and stuff anyway. Yeah. Right? So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Do you um like with your growth now being like so, so exponentially large uh, throughout over the course of just March that you started, right? Yeah. yeah. March 21st is our first day of business. Yeah. We've How many four. other people are you looking to bring on board? I know you said earlier there was a couple of people, but. Yeah, we, we definitely, um, we're being selective, honestly, because at this point we probably should have brought on more people uh, with the amount of accounts in different regions we have and stuff like that, even just from a sales staff perspective. But we really want to bring on people who are going to represent the brand well. And it's a, 
you know, we have a pretty wide vetting process for that. Um, and it's, it's hard to hire in general right now. So right. we need probably more people than we're going to be able to. And especially with a tasting room next year, we expect that to be a huge challenge. Um, but you know, like every other challenge, you get through it. <laughs> right. Right. You guys just, you guys just kind of figure it out. It's just kind of how to you own a business, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And needing to pivot in certain spots and all that kind of stuff. Was there anything you weren't expecting when you started this, uh, this beer company that kind of like hit you in the face? Um, I, mm, I mean, I've been involved enough in other people's businesses that where I, I kind of knew what to expect. Um, I didn't think our production would need to be as much as it is at this point. Yeah. Um, and then the art really is like most of the time, to be honest. Cause like I can brew a batch of beer in about five and a half hours, five and, and a half hours. Yeah. I can, I can knock out a batch of, of, you know, those big half kegs, right? Oh, right. Um, so like 30 of those in, I can produce in five and a half hours and I have to wait three weeks for it to be done fermenting, conditioning, all that kind of stuff. But I didn't think I would have to be, you know, doing it so constantly. Um, and the art part of it really is what takes up more of my time. To yeah. be honest. And I didn't, I don't think I expected that nearly as much. Mm -hmm. Is there uh, with you always trying to, like learn and kind of grow in the craft beer space. Is there uh, kind of like, where do you find your information through? Like, is it mostly just you kind of like toying around in the kitchen? Is it maybe oh. somebody on YouTube that you watch a lot of or books that you read? It's it. Well, it started off as books. Now it becomes kind of just like process things that you play with and tinker mm -hmm. with. But certainly from collaboration is where all the creativity stems. I mean, we luckily have met a lot of people in the industry um, and everyone has their own different ideas on how to how to do something. There's more than one way to skin a cat. Right. So right. it's interesting to like try and just take these different processes in that. And the cool part about the craft community is it's never we always say like high tides raise all ships kind of thing. So like the more it booms it's not like you're competing with all these guys. It's we're really all lifting each other. And we find that like the craft effect is pretty important. So having more craft breweries around each other um, is really helping to build the consumer base more because there's just more options. Now it'll probably eventually come to some kind of a bubble where you have too much in the region based on the amount of consumers that there are, but it has not happened yet. We, we said eight years ago that it's going to come to a bubble when there was like 3000 breweries in the country and now we're three times that. So yeah. um, really just talking to everyone else, like, what are you doing? Well, have you tried this? You know, that's, that's been how you, you play with stuff. That's really cool that there's a sense of uh, community with that stuff. It's a uh, really cool. And I really love when I hear like different businesses having uh, like a, a sense of community with other businesses that are like-minded that aren't like so competitive you know one i always think of is the uh that float tank that's here in syracuse oh um, yeah they uh i interviewed the the old owner david brickman and uh he had said the whole there's like a float tank network across the united states where they all like help each other and there's no like here there's no designated float tank mechanic so it's like a lot of it is like hey i'm having this problem with the pump what do, what do you guys do and it's like it's really nice that it's not so like cutthroaty because i think that's yeah. 
that's the general impression when you see like two two craft brewers within five miles of each other you know what i mean it's not like that at all it really is not there's i mean there is certainly competition and people people will like stick to their brand you know like if they like just being at the space more they might not even necessarily like the beer more than another place it's like just a different thing for them but it's the brewers themselves like i'm friends with all the guys in there i'm friends with the guys at heritage hill at underground beer lab like we know everyone out there um it's it's never been like that or it's a competition kind of thing well that just kind of like elevates it's just like you said it's like a, a rising tide rises all ships right like you guys are all kind of just collaborating together to kind of help each other out do you ever do like collaborations with other brewing companies? i did one on wednesday yeah oh yeah. really yep yeah so uh with underground beer lab we just just finished it uh wednesday and we're hoping to release it there's actually a central new york craft beer week um from oh, yeah. november 13th to 17th where all the local businesses kind of bring in uh brewers for tastings and do special events and then there's a, a a Brewers Fest at the Landmark Theater on the 19th, I want to say, um, of November, 17th or 19th. Don't quote me on the date. Uh, but that week is like kind of a, a showcase of everyone locally, and we all get together and drink beers and hang out. That's cool. Oh, wow. That's cool. It's just the, it's just so refreshing to hear like a sense of overall community rather than just all you guys being so competitive and at each other's throats. I think that... Yeah just kind of elevates the community makes you guys work a little bit better, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, and everyone's kind of looking at all the other parts of, you know, society too, when we're involving ourselves with beer, cause it's just beer. Like we're just drinking beers at the end of the day. So how yeah. can we like add to uh, other businesses or do kind of things like that? That's really what we're looking at. And what I know a lot of the guys in Syracuse are looking at too. Well, that's, that kind of fundamentally goes back to like the, uh, your pop-ups that you do, right? Like the idea is to help, kind of elevate some other like small business what kind of businesses do you go into when you're doing pop-ups we've done like uh garden centers we've done um oh, pumpkin nice. patches we're, we're gonna do uh, a pop-up at a uh, christmas tree farm nice. um, all through november and december so nice. like every other time. there's a couple of them we're gonna be at but yeah so like you go and instead of like a what might be a slow trip at something you know, where you're, you're in and out, you're hanging out instead. It, it does cause a, more sales inevitably for the business that's hosting it. Like yeah, you've right. seen it every single time. So people have been really appreciative and receptive to, to getting us in to, to help them out. And it's tough to deal with the state liquor authority. A lot of people don't have the means or even know where to start with that kind of thing. So if someone can come in and say, you know, it opens up their audience more to, you know, whatever, more, more right. people. They're going to be interested in trying to do it. And that's, that's what we've seen, which is, has been great. So you have to get like a, like a one day pass or something. Correct. Yeah. So there, there's a few different ways to do it. Um, but in the case that we're setting up like a tasting room, a mini tasting room, pop-up tasting room, we essentially get a map of their usable area. Um, we have to rope it off and then send it into the state liquor authority to get approved for a single day license. And we can do our beers, wine, cider, anything we want to do at that place for a day. Um, and we could do that four times a year in any location. So we could like, if oh, okay. I wanted to go to uh, our friend Liz's um, plant shop, uh, we already did it once this year. We could only do it three more times this year. So. Mm, gotcha. Oh, so you can three only do it three, four times a year in one location. Right. 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 Yep. 
gotcha, gotcha. But if you go to another place, then you have to apply for another one that's four for one location. A lot of uh, my our time goes into licensing. <laughs> I bet, I bet. What like what do you have? To, so you submit the the floor map to them of usable space, and they have to. How long does it take for them to like respond? Generally, we'll get it in like eighteen days. Um, oh. that's, that's a timeline we give on it. Um, a lot of the times you got to just give them a call and say, Hey guys, you got this, you get this application, <laughs> right. but um, right. as long as you're on it and you kind of, you know, are on your, your T's and Q's and all that kind of stuff. They push. It what, what do you hope growing a brew company is going to do? Like, where do you see that envision it in the next? We'll start like three years. Uh, so my big thing has been trying to provide um, small businesses, a place to, um, you know, basically function like us. So my hope is that we can create kind of this like market bazaar almost, uh, at our brewery where we can have different rotating small businesses come in and use it as a platform to sell their pottery, their paintings, their whatever. Um, and use that as the beer is like why people are there hanging out, but give other people an option. And, uh, I think it just makes sense for a small business. I'm, I'm very, um, small business, I don't know, active, I guess I'm an activist for it. Yeah. Um, I don't like the large chain restaurants and all that kind of stuff. I yeah, just think right. it's, it's kind of garbage. It's not money that goes back into the community. And, um, it's, you know, it sucks to see that that's, where people are moving for stuff when there's so many awesome small businesses around, you know? Yeah. It's just like, it's the sake of like convenience overall. It's just people will choose that, that big chain. And it's like you said, it just, it's sad that the money doesn't like go back into the community. Cause it sure as hell does not. It just ends up whatever, whatever profit they're making ends up in some CEO's pocket. Who's often freaking, I don't even know, California, you know, yeah. like, or, you know, back. in craft beer, like, or, beer in general, I guess, like everyone's putting their money into Budweiser. It's all ends up going into, you know, Chinese community <laughs> right. for, for lack of, you know, better, uh, better term, but it's, it's not going back into the places where it's being spent. So, so three years, you want to have like a cool, I like the yeah. term bizarre, a bizarre sounds cool. It sounds like a, <laughs> the, I'm, like, the way I'm picturing is like cool tense and like, like everybody's <laughs> like stacked up. So, I will say that, um, we, we have been close to nailing down a tasting room spot a, a couple of times now and just been just far enough away. So perhaps you can help me in the right direction with that kind of thing. But we do want to have like a greenhouse tasting room oh. uh, to add to our kind of ambience. And it also is really important to have some good usable outdoor space um, for events, for things like that. And right. I think it sets up for having like a mini marketplace, you know, all the time. Uh, right. So that's going to be, that's going to be kind of the progression of things for me anyway. Um, and then we'll still have our distribution part of our business. We'll still probably uh, be producing beer right now. We produce here at three brothers as well as another brewery out in Albany. Um, we're hoping to continue these relationships and then also have a small pilot production space at wherever we do our tasting room. So that'd be cool. That'd be really sweet. So three year, what about now 10 year? So long term in the future, where do you see you guys being? I, um, that's very forward thinking of you, Corey. 
<laughs> yeah, I, somebody asked me about that about my business, and I was like, dude, I don't know. I don't think ten years out. I think I think too small. I'm always just like, I don't know. I'll just let me make it to next year. <laughs> well, yeah, certainly it's you know that's that's for sure one of the things on our mind right now. But uh, craft beer has evolved in like in the nine years that I've been in it, it has evolved so greatly, and like the I don't even have an, the slightest idea where it could be. You know, so how has it evolved? Is it just means of like easier production or just sheer amount of people involved in it? I think it's that is really what it is, is the community has built so much that there's been uh, you know, so much just different recipes, different beers, different um, ways to distribute different ways to like there's so many forward thinking people that are not me um, looking <laughs> at trying to trying to innovate. Um, some of these things. And it's like, I, before it was, it just seemed like it was all homebrew. You know, it was everyone bringing their Blondale. Now there's just so much in the room for ciders and all this different kind of crossover from wine communities. And you think about wine, you know, from, I think about it anyway, all the time, because I'm on a winery probably, but 1700s to now, how much has that changed? You know, yeah, from right. And we're in, we're really in infantile stages of craft beer because it's really started in the seventies kind of had a big blow up in the nineties. And now we're in like this latent stage where it's just absolutely exploded. We're four times what we were 10 years ago. So in, in another 10 years, 40 times that I have no idea. Yeah. And Do you think knows? we're like in the renaissance of craft beer right now? I think we, I think we're, I, I don't want to put this. There has been a renaissance in craft beer within the past five years. Yeah. But I think we're now getting to the point where the innovation is starting to stagnate to some degree. Um, but I don't think it's because craft beer has like a lack of ideas. I think the consumer base is just looking for different things at this point. And a big part of that is White Claw, um, some of these other like low calories. Oh, all that kind of stuff, yeah, has really changed the way that brewers need to think and pivoted some stuff. So definitely this, the new generation kind of coming into the fold, uh, being more health conscious, being more has made us as the industry people need to kind of respect that um, and look at doing things differently too. So that has been really the truncating thing there going on. See, you called me forward thinking, but that that's very forward thinking because you right there, you, I feel like you could be on the, the cusp of something if you could learn how to make a craft seltzer. They do. <laughs> People who do it. That's great. Yeah. Like, I yeah. feel like that could be, that could be grow brewing companies thing, you know? Like, oh, it, be, that could it, be your next flavor. <laughs> I mean, Corey, I, I wish I sent you beer. We'll have to do this again and I'll actually give you some beers and you can see some of the stuff, but yeah. there are so many different things that you could do and that you can market to people um, successfully now that it's, it's just like, I can't even begin to think what it's going to be like in even five years, let alone 10. Yeah. Wow. I, and I do, I love the idea of always, I have said this before with craft beer that I love, like, I forget the term for somebody who's like a, a wine enjoyer. There's like a yeah. term for it. A um, wine enjoyer or someone who is like well-versed at the, yeah. Well-versed like a sommelier, a sommelier dude. Yeah. I, I love that. There's like, craft beer sommeliers you oh, know yeah. what i mean 
like oh, yeah. my friend Bernie, he loves his craft beer, and I just I'm have like no distinct flavors when it comes to beer. Like we've gone to uh, uh, Bull and Finch in Destiny. Yep. We sat down. He's like, you got to have the Simulacrum. It is a great beer with these delicious hop notes that are just so fine. And like, then the lemon hits you at the end and it's like just so refreshing. And I take a sip. I'm like, Bernie, it just tastes like, it tastes like fucking beer, dude. What do you <laughs> like? I don't have, like, I don't have the sense for that. We bust chops a little bit too, because <laughs> there is, you can see differences, you know, there's, you know, there, we call them Cicerones. There's like actually a certification program like Somalia because that's what it is. It's like a certification. Oh, Cicerone be, is the beer version? Cicerone is the, is the beer version of that. But we inevitably just make fun of it, you know, because it's kind of like people pontificating, you know, they're just sitting around like, oh, I get the garden hose in this water and like, <laughs> yeah. get the fuck out of here, you know? It's not, it's not real. Just drink the stupid beer. So <laughs> as much as, as much as I am really trying to like push the flavor components of our stuff and we do a ton of uh, cross with like um, cannabis uh, flavors, not necessarily THC, uh, active THC in the beer, because that would be super illegal, but right. um, using like terpenes, from cannabis plants to give different kind of flavor components and maybe harken back to an experience you had sitting around a fire in high school or whatever. Um, <laughs> but, but, uh, that being said, at the end of the day, I am just drinking like a lager and I'm just sitting around and not like talking about the effervescence of it all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, kind of bullshit, you know? <laughs> yeah. I listen, I try, I try to respect it, but I just, I just laugh sometimes. Cause it's like, I, well, can, I appreciate that Bernie has the, the fine taste for that kind of stuff, yeah. but I just, I just do not. I, I like, I, my, my taste is not, is not that well refined for, for beer. He also does drink a lot more craft beer than I do. So he probably can distinguish the different, the differences sure. between them. You know, I think if I gave you a lineup of four beers though, you could very easily say this is this, 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 and this, cause you can have yeah. so different, like, a stout, you know what I mean? Like Guinness yeah. versus IPA. Obviously those are two, two big ones. Right. But those are like two, just two styles. There's like 45 different styles of beer that they have. So like smoked flavors and beers and sour flavors and beers and all these different kinds of fruits and things. It's, you know, you, you can definitely play around with it so that people, is there a flavor you wanted to try that you haven't yet? Or are you, are you oh, keeping that under your cap? That's in my cap, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay no, no cat um <laughs> we do we do primarily uh produce ipas because of just the predominance of style and craft that's what a lot of people are drinking um starting to do more stouts i love lager producers like the uh old german produced lagers are actually like that classic style is amazing it's having a little bit of resurgence in craft community so like Pilsners and things like that, that are just seem like light beers when they produce them in, in Czech Republic and in Munich and all those kind of things. They're so much different than how we as Americans perceive, you know, Pilsners. Yeah. So it's cool to like look at that stuff and tr hope that we can really produce those styles. But again, w without a tasting room, like at some level, we are a business. So if 70% of, of the community is drinking IPAs, then we're probably just going to make IPAs. <laughs> yeah, right, right. We, we do need to sell beer to be able to do. I've done some cool stuff um, with like wine yeast um, and sour oh. bacteria and all kinds of weird crossovers. So but cool. 
that stuff is very like it's tough to move honestly without having a tasting room to like try and sell people on when you're up against all these other guys on the shelf like they're just going to take the ipa nine times out of ten unfortunately right right i mean geez that's a what a really interesting approach just uh man i feel like i learned so much about craft because it's just a hobby or a career that i like just know literally zero about i don't really drink beer on the regular but when when i do it's uh it's not nearly as like, I don't think of all the work that goes into that yeah. can when you're drinking, you know what I mean? Especially start yeah. to finish. It's a very uh, more intricate process than, than I would assume. I mean, it's like anything, I think, you know, like I, any career has all its intricacies, right? So right. like, I, I don't think about the things that it takes in real estate. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, right, right. You know, it's just I'm so detached from the world that it's like, yeah, I just want to buy a house. What do I do? Yeah. What do I do? Please help. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Dude, this was awesome. It was great catching up with you and also learning a lot more about, about yeah, your man. business. It's, yeah. uh, dude, goddamn, what a pleasure. I miss you, Garrett. It's, it's good talking you to you again. Corey, the mongoose. The mongoose, baby. <laughs> uh, next time you That's guys awesome. do a a pop-up you'll have to let me know i now that i got the dates and stuff in front of me um i'll have to swing through or at least pick up a six-pack of beer i got uh sober october is ending for me here in just a few more days so go, i gotta man. get something to sell it the holidays are coming up so we're doing a imperial uh hot cocoa imperial stout i'm releasing next week so okay. it's a marshmallow cocoa nib eight percent stout it's gonna hopefully Ooh. taste a lot like a cold hot chocolate so but also we're going to be adding a bunch of events for uh syracuse we're doing a bunch of stuff at the gear factory uh little room um all downtown all of uh cny craft beer week we're going to be all over the place so just you know at grow brewing co on all the the stuff instagram and growbrewingco.com correct hell yeah dude i appreciate you you're the man thank you Thank you for having me, man. I really appreciate it. Anytime. We're going to we're gonna do another one, and we'll both just drink beer, and you can help me distinguish the different notes. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> I'm going to do but I'm gonna be drunk beforehand and just be trash. <laughs> <laughs> can barely <laughs> listen to the podcast. Yeah, what beer are we drinking? Yeah. <laughs> it's, this is a beer. <laughs> Thank you so much for watching this episode of the Corey Cast. I really appreciate the time that you spent listening and even listening to the full episode to get you to this point. I just want to say I'm just so appreciative and so thankful that I have so much love and support for these episodes. If you want to be a guest on this podcast, reach out to me. I'm always looking for new people. Let's talk about what you're passionate about. Let's talk about your hobbies. Let's give you a positive platform to talk about the things that matter to you. Do me a favor. Make sure you hit subscribe, like, follow, leave a review of the podcast. All those little things will help this podcast grow because without you guys, there is no podcast and I am just so grateful that you're taking the time to listen to it today. Thank you so much.